and welcome to mini episode 227 of Real Life Ghost Stories. And I have three spooky stories for you today. And the last story comes from the 27th of October 2022. And story number one comes from Gemma. I've just listened to episode 10 and had to email you. I had a more or less identical experience. I was so overwhelmed when I was listening that I just started crying. My mum was killed by a drunk driver when I was five years old. It was almost Christmas. She was on a Christmas do with her then husband, not my dad, and some friends. She was hit by a drunk driver while waiting to cross the road and was killed almost instantly. Now I'm almost 40, so I don't remember specifically when this happened, I just know it did. I woke up to what felt like someone sitting on my bed. It was dark, but weirdly I saw my mum sat there right on the end of the bed. She turned to me and just said, You'll be okay and I looked away and she was gone. I don't ever remember telling anyone that it had happened, so I've no idea if my sister's experienced anything like it, but it stayed with me forever. First of all, I just want to say that I I always feel really, I don't know, weirdly proud or happy that people listen to episodes of the podcast and they can resonate with something that has happened to somebody. If that's not a reason to do the podcast, then I don't know what is. I'm so glad that people can listen and be like, I can share my story with these people, with all of these listeners and I know that other people have experienced the same thing and I know that I'm not going to be ridiculed for it because you're not ever going to be ridiculed for it on this podcast. It's not going to happen. I am so glad that your mom was able to like find a way to reconnect with you even if it was just for that brief moment where she just turned up on the end of your bed And if this podcast has taught me anything, it's that these things happen to people all the time when they lose somebody that they love. And despite being a big old sceptic, it's one of those things that I think, you know what? I feel like there's truth in it. And I hope that it brings, that it brought you peace at the time and that it brought you that sense of connection with your mom. And story number two comes from Carson. There's a few things I would like to preface before jumping into a couple of stories. For as long as I can remember, I've always been a very lucid dreamer. There's dreams from when I was a toddler that I so vividly remember. I've asked my mom if it really happened or if I dreamt it. I also am no stranger when it comes to sleep paralysis. I've experienced it so much throughout my life, including in many different homes, that at this point there's even been a few times where I can feel it start to happen and I can snap myself out of it. So the instances I'm about to tell you about are instances where I know for a fact they were not sleep paralysis. Because as many know, sleep paralysis is a feeling unlike anything else one could experience. I recently moved back in with my mother due to unforeseen circumstances in my personal life. I exhausted all other avenues before accepting the reality of going home. As much as I love my mother, her house has always been plagued with this undeniable energy, not necessarily negative or threatening, but also far from positive and uplifting. We lived in Indiana in a historic district in a semi-small town. Our home was built in the late 1800s and I've been told it was once the home of a doctor who housed his nurses and patients in the back end of our Victorian-style home, which just so happens to be the quarters in which I reside. Lucky me. I've had experiences throughout my entire life, but these ones I'm about to share are the most recent and probably the scariest as well. One night I had laid down to go to sleep and just like every other night, I had no lights or sounds going on. 
It's rare for me to fall asleep to TV or anything of the sorts, and I've never been keen on nightlights. I dozed off, and before I knew it, I was having one of those moments where I knew I was dreaming. It was different, though. I was in my room just how I was in real life. Everything was set up the same. I was dressed the same. I was even laying in the same position, the whole nine yards. I was seeing the dream as if it was happening right in front of me, but I wasn't in it, if that makes sense. Almost like on one of those cheesy TV shows where they would show a memory or an imagined scenario in the little bubble above the actor's head. That's what was happening right in front of my face. I was watching a group of three people that I knew, none very close to me, all just acquaintances at best. They were having a conversation making fun of people who still lived with their parents at our age. Obviously, me being almost 27 years old, I was a little discouraged and ashamed that I moved back into my parents, so I wanted to defend myself. I shot straight up in my bed with zero hesitation, almost like a jack-in-the-box, and I looked at the group of people who were essentially just floating in my room in front of me, and I made a joke and I said, yeah, if you're going to live with your parents at our age, at least make the attempt to move out and fail instead of never moving out at all. A very vague and immature attempt at defence, if I do say so myself. When I tell you I shot up though, I physically felt it, which is something that does not happen during sleep paralysis. As I made that statement, they all looked at me and got quiet and then slowly moved their glance towards something next to me. I turned my head ever so slowly, almost as if I was a puppet on strings, forcibly making all these moves that my body was doing, only to be met face to face just inches away from me, with a big, black being. I could see the shape of a human and I felt the energy. Somehow I knew that it was a grown man, but he had no eyes, no face, no nothing. I couldn't tell you what he was wearing or anything like that, but I know for a fact we were making 100% eye contact with each other. Somehow I snapped out of it and when I came to, I was actually sitting up right in my bed, looking in that same direction, but nothing was there. I don't believe it to be sleep paralysis since my body was physically moving, but I was also not in control. It was unlike any of my other experiences, and it's left me with a lot of unanswered questions to say the least. Not too long after that incident, I had another one in my bedroom as well, which is also where all of these incidents have happened. I was asleep in my bed and I had just woken up. Not the kind of waking up where you're up for the day, the kind where you check the time and roll over and decide you're going to get more sleep. Shortly after that happened, I heard a sound as if my door had opened. I peeked my head up and it was shut, so I rolled it off and continued to try and fall back to sleep. A few minutes later, I heard the sound and felt the feeling of somebody crawling into my bed with me. You know when someone crawls in and the bed sort of dips down a bit and you can hear the rustle of the blanket? That is exactly what happened. I was confused and frozen in fear. I felt such a strong presence laying right behind me. I could literally feel and hear someone breathing into my ear. The hairs on my neck were standing up and goosebumps filled my entire body it felt like. It seemed as if it was waiting for acknowledgement that what it was doing was okay. I couldn't bring myself to do anything but wait for it to leave. I didn't feel like I couldn't move, I just knew I didn't want to move. The presence was heavy. I laid there for every bit of at least 20 minutes until I felt the feeling and heard the sound again of someone crawling out of my bed, also followed by the sound of my door opening yet again. I laid there in disbelief, trying everything I could to be dismissive of what had just happened. 
out of sight, out of mind, right? This last one I'm going to talk about definitely had me shaken up the most. I had woken up in the same sort of instance that I had just explained, where I woke up but decided on getting more sleep. After laying there for a few, I heard someone snoring. I was so confused I started asking myself questions in my head. Is it me? Did I bring someone home last night? Is my sister in bed with me for some reason? My sister would never do that, and I also knew there was no way I brought someone home to my mother's house as a grown adult. That's a move I'm not making for sure. As I'm asking myself these questions, the snoring and the feeling of someone being next to me continued to grow more prominent. I had my eyes closed this whole time still. I decided to scoop my hand over to see if there was in fact someone laying next to me. I was hesitant, but I did it nonetheless. I slowly inched my hand over until I felt the edge of my bed. I left my hand there and had a moment of relief inside my head that I didn't bring anyone home the night before. As soon as I felt comfort, my hand got grabbed and pulled so hard that it physically moved downward, causing me to jump up and gasp in utter shock. I cannot even begin to describe how absolutely real and terrifying that moment was. The feeling of your hand being grabbed and then pulled down is not a feeling that can be mistaken for anything else. Needless to say, I was awake for the day at that point. I've never felt necessarily threatened by whatever presence is in the house, but I know enough to know that if it can touch me in any way, it is indeed a very strong energy. If only I knew its intent. I know this email has been super long, so I'd like to wrap it up by saying just one more thing. I've often heard you and others on your podcast talk about how kids and teenagers going through puberty are unintentionally more susceptible to these kinds of energies and occurrences. I'm 26, almost 27 years old, but I am female to male transgender, meaning I was born female and I'm transitioning to male. I started hormone replacement therapy this year in February. Doctors tell you that during this process, that essentially your body is going through female menopause and teenage boy puberty all at the same time, due to the drastic increase in your testosterone levels and drastic decrease in your estrogen levels. I found myself wondering if my hormones being all over the place in the way that they are has any effect on why I've had such a surplus of occurrences since living with my mother the last few months. I've had tiny experiences throughout my entire life, but never to this sort of depth and never as often as they have been recently. Carson, I have to say this has absolutely blown my mind. That idea in the paranormal community is so prevalent. The idea that children going through puberty can attract energy and they're often linked to poltergeist activity. And it is believed that the hormones that are, you know, raging around a teenager during puberty is the reason for a lot of poltergeist activity and poltergeist cases. I had never considered that if somebody is transitioning later in life, they are obviously going to be going through another puberty. So if that idea holds weight, then surely it is the same for people who are transitioning, who are not teenagers. (gasps) Honestly, what you said makes sense though, right? Because you've had experiences before, but never to this degree in your mom's house and then all of a sudden all of this stuff is happening. That's really profound. That's really impacting you. And that is really physical. So like the hand, your hand being grabbed is an absolute no for me. 
that's uh, just as bad as the paranormal activity leg being grabbed from under or from the bed and you know dragged around the house and if that house belonged to a doctor in the 1800s maybe some stuff did happen there maybe there was traumatic medical incidents in that doctor's surgery that have resulted in energy hanging around you know all of those things sound absolutely petrifying you know having somebody crawl into the bed beside you waking up to hear somebody snoring beside you and seeing that entity beside you as well all of that is absolutely terrifying and it seems like there possibly is something that is trying to connect with you in some way in that bedroom uh, I just there's two more things that I wanted to add to this story that are not related to the paranormal firstly there is no shame in moving back home no shame whatsoever I always think if it works for you to live at home then good on you do it if you need to go home to regroup and you have that opportunity, again, good on you. Do it. I also, however, would not be bringing anybody home to my mom's house. Absolutely no way. I just cannot stop coming back to this idea of going through puberty later and then attracting more paranormal stuff. It makes sense, right? And story number three comes from Anonymous. I've thought about writing for so long and always dismissed my experiences as not really strange enough. Then I began to put them together and maybe there is something else there. I need to give a trigger warning now for suicide ideation and pregnancy loss. This is a story of two houses. They aren't both alike in dignity. They aren't alike at all. One is a 400-year-old stone farmhouse tucked in a hidden West of England valley. One is an ugly 1970s yellow brick affair, plonked in the flatlands of Norfolk. I believe both have, or did have, resident energies, but one is positive and protective, and the other is dark, hungry and malevolent. Maybe it doesn't like yellow bricks. The yellow house was a holiday house for our family from when I was quite a young child, and the problem started for me very soon after the family acquired it. I had terrible nightmares of creatures looming over me, and I wonder now if I had sleep paralysis as I would wake up and they would still be there. Being Norfolk, I linked them in my mind to Black Shook, and I would see the ghost dog in every hedgerow as we drove to the house. I felt I could hear his paws loping and stalking along the lane. If we drove to the house after dark in winter, I would screw my eyes shut in terror that I would see those glowing red eyes watching for me. The nightmares seemed to happen when I was awake. There were shadows in my room and I would lie terrified watching them and knowing they were deeply wrong in every possible way. I was having a tough time at school too, bullied by a teacher and other children and deeply frightened and miserable. Looking at photographs, I looked like a ghost child myself. My parents decided I must be anemic or ill, so I had multiple blood tests but nothing was wrong. Things came to a head in the yellow house. After a very intense evening lying in bed and knowing that the shadows wanted me to die. At the age of nine that is rather a lot to process but it seemed very clearly a way out of the entire awful situation. Thankfully I never had the courage to drink the loo cleaner and my parents found me sobbing on the stairs at 3am with a dressing gown cord around my neck. I grew and changed school and many things got better but the house and its energy did not. As I got older, I got a little braver and began to think more calmly about where the energy came from. 
It felt very much like the land and was focused on one end of the house where I had my room during the crisis time. There was an abandoned rectory in a copse at this end about 100 metres away and at night I was certain I could see lights and figures through the trees. The elderly neighbour who owned the copse took me to see it once and it was totally bizarre. The broken glass of the orangery, the old walls, all there just abandoned. She had grown up there and said it was for the best that it was gone. She never elaborated as to why. I also found out that in World War II, a plane had crashed in flames in the field between the house and the copse. As soon as I could, I stayed behind at a friend's or a boyfriend's place and avoided the trips as much as possible. I justified the experiences and told myself I was a child having a mental health crisis and processing trauma. Then a family friend asked me if I thought something was off with the house after she and her young kids had stayed there. Her son had come screaming into their room, terrified of an angry shadow man with fires around him. He wouldn't play in the garden as he was petrified of the bad woods. He had never behaved like this before. I felt as though finally someone else had seen what I had seen. We talked and she cleansed the house spiritually and said nothing to my parents as they were adamant it was all nonsense. When my husband and I were looking for a forever home, the Norfolk house was on my mind. I hadn't been there for years, but I knew I needed to listen to any sense of energy I got from a house that we looked at. When we arrived at our lovely old farmhouse where we live now, all I felt was a rush of welcome and almost excitement emanating from the stones. The house had been owned by a series of older people for almost 50 years, and it felt seemingly exuberant at being filled with life, chaos, and the children who would be born there. I never feel afraid here on my own at night. Rather, I feel like the house itself protects us and won't let anything bad happen here. It's literally the opposite energy. Indeed, when I had my son very quickly at home, I felt the strength of the house and the land so deeply in the fast and furious labour. No midwife or paramedic could get to us, but he was born safely and healthy. The first baby born in the house for a hundred years. I made sure to thank the ancestors living in the house for taking care of us all. I hadn't been to the Yellow House for years, but during 2021 we didn't want to travel abroad due to Covid. We let my parents persuade us to take the children for a holiday there for a change of scene. It felt as wrong as ever. I spent the entire week convinced that something terrible would happen to my children, hypervigilant, anxious, on edge. The day we returned home, we found something terrible had happened. Just to the unborn child I had found out we were expecting before we left. No heartbeat at a scan, just heartbreak. Maybe it was coincidence, but it felt like the cleansing hadn't been able to stop the energy lashing out at me one more time. Safely home, healing began. I wandered with my dog for miles, swam in the ocean and fell pregnant again. The power of the old stone house worked for us and our little one was born at home like her brother on a June night where I walked under the stars around the garden waiting for the midwives to come. It's her first Halloween and we will be celebrating the kind ancestors and ghosts who lived in our home before we did and I won't be going back to the Yellow House ever again if I can help it. In addition to this main story, I've had a couple of strange incidents where dreams or things I've suddenly thought intensely about have then happened. I wonder if my being sensitive as a child ending so disastrously and distressingly for me 
has resulted in me switching off whatever it is that makes me more open to this kind of thing. If that even is a thing. I don't know if the cause of the haunting in Norfolk was the plane crash, the rectory, or something older and darker from the ancient past. And I guess we never will. I sure as hell would listen to the warnings you and Dan gave about Ouija boards. Whatever is there is not to be messed with. It sounds like you went through such a hard time as a little one. And it just makes me so sad. Things like bullying can have such an effect, such a profound effect on children. And it makes me so sad every time I hear about stuff like that with little children feeling suicidal or even enacting suicidal ideations. And I am very glad that it didn't end horribly. However, it does sound like that Yellow House in Norfolk has some pretty weird energy. And maybe what you said is right, you know, maybe maybe it is a case that it's something ancient on the land. Like Norfolk is just a weird place in general, right? No offense to anybody from Norfolk, but it's got loads of weird spooky stories going on. Maybe it was to do with the rectory, maybe it was to do with the plane crash, or maybe it was stuff that was on the land already, like ancient stuff, like the story of the Welsh Amateville, the Hale Fanog story. Like that, that was all about stuff being ancient, stuff being linked to the land. And maybe being nine years old and in a really vulnerable state, maybe at that point, because you were in a vulnerable state, because emotions were running high, you were able to better connect with all of those things, all of those feelings and anxieties and bad things that were seemingly living on the land around that yellow house. I'm glad, though, that you have found somewhere, a forever home that has a good energy, a positive energy that seems to look after you, that seems to look after you, particularly in birth, because there ain't no way I'd be giving birth at home. I'd be like, get me to get me to a hospital. I don't care. I'm keeping this baby in until the time until I get to a hospital. Uh, just before anybody messages me, I do know that's not how it works. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. Thank you to Gemma, Carson and Anonymous for sending in your stories. Remember, the last story came from the 27th of October, 2022. And if you would like to send in your story, you can do so by emailing it to reallifeghoststoriespodcast.gmail.com. You can also check out the website reallifeghoststoriespodcast.com. And if you are desperate for extra content, you can sign up to Patreon. That is patreon.com forward slash stories, where for $5 a month or $2 a month, you get access to heaps of extra content, as well as every single main and mini episode completely ad-free. And on that note, I shall see you next time.